Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Coming up on NFL Live, lines in the sand are drawn with Ezekiel Elliott. Josina Anderson is here. She'll have the latest on when we may see him back on the field. The bittersweet story of a man responsible for getting Tom Brady to the Patriots and how his legacy lives on through three numbers. And speaking of three numbers, J.J. Watt finds out the hard way why 290 and kids' bikes don't often mix. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm Wendy Nix. Josina Anderson is here. So, too, is Victor Cruz and Mike Tannenbaum. We will start with what appears to be a line in the sand. Some still say there's optimism, but what can you tell us about Ezekiel Elliott and his standoff, so to speak, with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, it continues. Yes, this I know. <laughs> that we know. Uh, yesterday, former NFL running back Eric Dickerson made some comments on national TV saying that he had spoken to uh, the agent of Ezekiel Elliott and per his conversation found out that there's potential for Ezekiel Elliott to miss games. And that is when I uh, this morning spoke, spoke with the source to ask how true that was, what their thoughts are. And I was told, yes, that is true, that Ezekiel Elliott will not play if he does not have a new contract, that this was actually conveyed back in January. But the apropos question to that other question was, how likely is that? And that's when the source did add, and you have to include this for context, that at this point he doesn't feel like it is likely because the sentiment is that Jerry Jones still wants to get this deal done, particularly before the regular season, and have it be an impact to the team. Now, what's still being conveyed is the fact that they feel Ezekiel Elliott should be the highest paid running back uh, in the National Football League and the impact he has on the team uh, from being an all-purpose back, also being a blocker, <laughs> and how he's also developed as a receiver and probably the best playmaker on the entire team. These are the arguments that you're hearing, you know, that's going back and forth with regards to the uh, negotiation. I will say this, and these things have a lifetime and a lifespan of their own, but we heard from Jerry Jones yesterday, Victor, and Look, you know, there's always smoke and mirrors here, but he did not appear panicked. He did seem like a man who knew where this process was headed, that there would ultimately be a deal. Having said that, as we move deeper into the preseason, it gets dicey. It gets very dicey. In the, in the first game of that preseason, I, Mike, you brought this up earlier, it's going to be important to see what they have, and, and, and especially at that running back position, just to show how important Ezekiel Elliott's job is there with the Cowboys. Obviously, no one has had a better year, better years statistically at the running back position than Ezekiel Elliott. He's the heartbeat of that football team. That team doesn't move or isn't as balanced as we saw a year ago without Ezekiel Elliott. Now, they have some, you know, there's a pecking order there in terms of getting paid. They're in an interesting space. Dak Prescott's number one for me, in my opinion. Obviously, the, the hardest position to find a solidified quarterback. You have to have that. And then second comes Ezekiel Elliott. He's the most important piece of that offense next to Dak Prescott. And you've been clear on what you believe to be the pecking order, Mike. And as somebody who's been in the front office as a GM, you know, where, where do you, how do you how do you manage this, given that Zeke is the one holding out, but Dak and Amari may be the priorities? Yeah, and I agree with Victor. It starts with the quarterback. You have a winning starting quarterback in the NFL, and trust me, that is hard to find. Mm-hmm. And you have somebody else in Amari Cooper that came in and was very productive once they had him. And candidly, part of this dynamic is Dallas's own fault in terms of how they manage it. When you give up a first-round pick for a player like Amari Cooper – you're giving a ton of leverage to the player and the agent because you can't let him walk out the door after a year and a half of just being there for a first-round pick. And certainly, Amari Cooper's agent knows that. So the time you have the most leverage 
is as you're making the trade, you ask for permission from the Oakland Raiders, hey, we've reached an agreement principle, but now simultaneous to us getting a deal done, we now have to go to the agent and get an extension done because without that, now all the leverage swings back to Cooper. So to me, you get Prescott done first. Ezekiel Elliott's a great player. We've talked about that. However, he does have two years left. Additionally, he's had some off-field issues. We can't ignore those as well. So, look, there's a way to get all three of these done. But of the three, interestingly enough, Cooper has a ton of leverage because he could be a free agent and they could lose a first-round pick and have nothing to show for it. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Zeke had led the NFL in rushing yards per game in each of the first three seasons. Only Jim Brown and Earl Campbell have done that. So there's no debating his productivity, but I do think we sort of sweep under the rug that he's got two years left on his current deal. Le'Veon Bell uh, would side on the the, the Ezekiel Elliott side for sure, for all kind of reasons. And here's what he had to say via Twitter. They got to pay up, period. So look, just Le'Veon Bell's got it figured out. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> well, and I just wanted to say real quick that that leverage is there so long as Amari Cooper stays healthy and he's still uh, producing. And lastly, real quick, I, I do think we need to note that by Ezekiel Elliott not showing up today, he did lose his earned ability to have an accrued season, but not so much of a factor when you're on a five-year contract and you have another year to earn that accrued season. That's right. Today was the deadline. The Patriots, meanwhile, have made their way to the Motor City in advance of their Thursday preseason game against the Lions. These two teams are holding joint practices this week. That also means a reunion of sorts for Bill Belichick and his former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, now the head coach of the Lions. And we'll say hello to Mike Reese, who comes to us from Allen Park, Michigan, where these practices are being held. And, Mike, we know Bill Belichick loves these practices for situational-type football reps. So the question would be what you've seen with Tom Brady and this offense coming together so far. Well, Wendy, I'd say the headline news today, Tom Brady needs training camp. He actually threw his first interception of training camp. In these joint practices, they were really focusing on the red zone today. And Brady was picked off by Jalen Reeves Maben, a third-year linebacker out of Tennessee. And you heard the Lions roar on these fields behind me. And really what it highlights is how this Patriots offense is still a work in progress. Julian Edelman remains out of practice with a thumb injury. So really, you have to check your roster at times when you're looking down on who Tom Brady is throwing to. Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, did make one play, elevating up in the red zone to make a one-handed touchdown catch. But outside of him, really, this offense is struggling. It is not that 2007 offense I think back to with Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Jabbar Gaffney, Dante Stallworth, when they were just steamrolling down the field, still searching for answers here 10 practices into camp. Come on, Michael. It's early. Do not alarm New England just yet. That, that is just not right. You know how they are. All right, listen, it's, a, it's not a one-dimensional game, so let's talk about this Patriots defense for a minute, who in practice anyway is facing off against Matthew Stafford. Well, so, Wendy, you know, the the defense has been ahead of the offense through these 10 practices at training camp. This particular practice was maybe a little bit of a step back, watching Matthew Stafford connect with T.J. Hawkinson, the rookie tight end uh, for the Lions, sort of, to be honest, brought me back to the Patriots and how Brady was always connecting with Gronk. They were very impressive in this practice, but the one thing I would say for the Patriots that has stood out, Jamie Collins is going to be an important player for them on defense. Coming back to the Patriots after spending the last two and a half seasons with the Browns. Bill Belichick has already said, I really think he's going to help the team in almost every practice we've seen. He's forcing fumble, uh, fumbles, making disruptive plays. So Jamie Collins coming back to New England looks like a different player. 
Mike, thank you. We will check back in tomorrow. Again, the Thursday night preseason opener for both of these two teams. Let's talk about these two teams. We'll start with the Patriots, but we will certainly give the Lions their due. First and foremost, the quarterback, Tom Brady. He turned 42 uh, just a few days ago. Mike, uh, what did you see last year at the tail end of that successful season that you think will carry over uh, despite the changes on the offensive stop? Yeah, look, Tom Brady is still, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion, can still make all the throws. And his ability to process information allows him to stay healthy because oftentimes he knows where he's going with the ball before the ball is ever snapped. Um, you know, Mike did touch on their passing game. I, I want to talk about their running game because I think that's going to be the strength of their offense, certainly early in the season. You look at last year's first-round pick, Sony Michelle. You look at their third-round pick, Damian Harris, to go with James White, Rex Burkhead, James Devlin, Brandon Bolden. To me, the New England Patriot running back room is the deepest position room of any group of players of any team in the NFL. And I think early on they're going to lean on that room to get this offense going as their passing game is a work in progress. Yeah, I agree. I think the running backs, I think the running game for the Patriots is going to have to be that balance for the team. Obviously, they don't have the Gronks and the West Welkers, as Mike Reese alluded to, so they're going to have to create some sort of balance with the running game, and then that'll open things up in the passing attack. I think Nikhil, Nikhil Henry is going to have a, a very good year and understand that he's going to be a focal point of that receiver room but he's got it. But the, it's got to start with the running backs. Well, and look, we we have not seen a, a major drop in a skill set. In fact, he's a cerebral quarterback. He's smart. He's still playing at an extremely high level. But at 42, a running game can't hurt for sure in terms of what this offense can look like. Jojo. Yeah, but I also like the additions that they're making with bringing in Cameron Meredith. I mean, even though he's starting on training camp PUP, this is a guy that in 2016 had 888 receiving yards. So if he can get back to how he was playing when he was with Chicago, that's a great compliment to what they already have with Philip Dorsett, Julian Elliman, and those guys. And you want to be able to see that they can still have that offense uh, clicking like they had before. And real quick, a Patriot source told me last year why they felt like they were able to get it going on the backside of that season is because they're still skilled when it comes to coaching in terms of not putting everything on tape that defenses can adjust to and then rolling that out on the backside of the season and then still catching you with some new things. Let's talk just a minute about Matthew Stafford. He is certainly a veteran quarterback as well. You know, I just wonder every season, is this when we see sort of the sleeping giant awake, Victor? You know, are there there enough pieces in place? Can this be a big year for Matthew Stafford and this Lions offense? I think it can, and I think think it kind of has to be for Matt Stafford. I think he's such an enigma for me, right? Because you want to put him in the top-tier category of these quarterbacks, and he's got the arm strength, and he's he's got all those intangible things that you want, but he just doesn't have the high-caliber wins that you would want out of your franchise quarterback. And I think he understands that. I think he knows that. And I think he's ready to combat that and get that chip off of his shoulder, so to speak. I, I agree with Victor. When you look at Matt Stafford on, on the high end, look, in Miami last year, he, he tore us apart. I mean, his best games are elite. With that said... In the red zone, he was only 49% completion, which was the third worst, which is way below where his ability should be. Consistency continues to be continues to be a thing here. We continue with press coverage from our Panthers Nation reporter David Newton. Ron Rivera says he will not play Cam Newton or Luke Keekley on Thursday. That is the preseason opener for Carolina against the Chicago Bears. The Newton decision comes just one day after saying all four quarterbacks should start. Again, Cam Coming off offseason shoulder surgery, Luke Keekley has had some injuries as well. Mike, better safe than sorry at this point in the year. Yeah, obviously durability concerns with Keekley. Missed 10 games in his career. You want to protect him. 
On the other side of the ball, look at the impact that uh, North Turner had a year ago. Cam's police completion percentage went from 59 to 67%. Get the ball out of his hands. You, you know, safety is so important for him. Look for him to have quick hand, long handoffs to guys like Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson. Still no concern, though, right? We're all on track. You feel like Cam, he's fine, changing things up a little bit with the throwing motion. Absolutely. When he, again, it goes back to the hiring of Norv Turner a year ago, a very experienced offensive coordinator. Again, big improvement in Cam's completion percentage. And, uh, again, I think we're going to look for more of that this year and look for guys like Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson to have big years as a way to keep Cam Newton healthy for all 16 games. Yep, it is the preseason. Preseason. So. <laughs> There you go. All right, this is funny. You can't win them all, and that that's even the case if you're J.J. Watt, as a matter of fact. He wins most, but not every time. So here's the tradition in Green Bay. The Texans are there, by the way, to play the Packers, so here we go. Local kids bring in their bikes, and players ride them into practice. I mean... That's one big man with one wow. small bike, and the results are what you think they might be. Here's J.J. on the bike debacle. <laughs> it's pretty awesome until I broke the bike. <laughs> Uh, the bike, the bike that I was using, was not equipped for a 290-pound man, and the seat broke off. Uh, we have purchased a new bike for the boy, so I apologize for that. But uh, I mean, it's cool. It's it's one of the coolest traditions, you know. Um, growing up here, I know how special it is to get to interact with a player from the Green Bay Packers as a kid growing up in Wisconsin. So for them to have that tradition where kids get to be up close and personal with their favorite players and they get to hold their helmet, I mean. That's what it's all about. Those are the memories that those kids are going to have for a lifetime. So for me to be able to participate in it as a player was really cool, and I thank the Packers for letting us do it. Was it the best visual as everybody else riding and J.J. carrying that little bike because it's broken? But you know what? That's a win-win. You get to walk alongside J.J. and you get a new bike. First of all, he and needs you probably a, get to a BMW going. and not a new bike. Exactly. Second of all, he needs an electrical scooter because exactly. you got him walking and the kid is walking. And so both of them are jacked up with their transportation. JJ I mean, just, He had to do a better job of picking the kid because you can't pick the kid well, he, with the smallest that's bike. That's the thing. I saw other bikes that were <laughs> larger. The bike in the background. That's a bigger no. bike. That could hold a larger man. You are a large human. I mean, and look at the boy's face. He was like, "Dick, like, oh, man. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but then he saw instantly, he's like, you're J.J. Look at his face. Look at his face. What yeah. in the? I'm going yeah, to yeah, yeah. right. 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 get a new bike. Yeah. Uh, this season, as he has played a, an incredible 20 years with one team, Brady is scheduled to make $23 million. That will tie him with the sixth highest quarterback in the league. It's being reported, though, that 2020 and 21 are void years, which means there is still some contractual uncertainty for the Patriots quarterback, which he did address earlier today. Football's a tough business. It's a production business. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go this year, and that's really what, what matters, and that's where my focus is. It's, it's a unique situation I'm in, you know. I'm 20th year with the same team. And, uh, you know, be 42 years old. So pretty much uncharted territory, I think, for everybody. And, um, you know, I'm going to go out there and, and do the best I can this year and, and see what happens. Well, he's right. It is uncharted territory. I mean, let's face it. He's 42, 20 years. He's played a long time. I, you know, it's, a, it's been an incredible situation. Speaking of uncharted, I don't know if you got your map or your GPS here. <laughs> Ways. But, uh, I got Victor, it all covered here. Victor Cruz with our cruise control going to tell us which which is the path that we'll travel. So we'll start here with the Patriots. 2021, okay, not now, 2021, who will be the quarterback for the New England Patriots? And we're not going to name a specific name, but Tom Brady or other. Um, I'm going to go with what? Let me get my emoji out here since I'm going to go with the scooter. 
<laughs> he's got a he's got a ride. He's getting a little older, so he needs something a little bit more easier on the knees. To really? Get so otherwise, you give him a bike. <laughs> I just need right. to stroll in. But I'm going with Tom Brady. Obviously, it's going to be up to him. I feel like when he wants to leave, when he wants to retire, and we if hope. if the production is still there, if he's still winning football games for this football team, he's not going anywhere. And, and like you said earlier, Mike, I think he. He plays a, a neck up. He plays with his brain. He understands where he's going well before the plays even started, well before he even, you know, starts beginning his cadence. He's looking at the coverages. He understands what play is called and how to maneuver through that play with what coverage is being put out there. So I'm going with Tom Brady. It's his job to lose. And, you know, you say it'll be up to him, and I certainly hope so. Obviously, injury can change that in a heartbeat. But I said this before, injury can change any player's career trajectory in a heartbeat even a younger player it doesn't really have all that much to do with age it's not just injury it could be also injury that's inflicted (laughs) well so whether it's demarcus lawrence coming around the corner or von miller coming around the corner so mentally he may want to be to 2021 some defenders might have another uh idea and barring something unforeseen i really agree with victor from a standpoint the way they coach that offense the ball is out so fast when you play them you have to get up in their face and hopefully have Tom Brady try to beat you deep because if not, it's really hard to get to him. Well, we talked about this yesterday. If he knows what he's going to do before that ball is snapped, you're already sunk. And 99% of the time, he does. Exactly. So it's, it is tough to get to Tom Brady. Nick Foles in a different situation. He will play not his 20th year with the same team, but his first year with Mike's favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> he did amazing things. In Philly, but it really wasn't his team, so to speak, with Carson Wentz in the fold. Now he steps in. He is the undisputed starting quarterback. Here's what he had to say about his playoff experience in Philly. I just need to be myself. Um, I don't need to, you know, just be genuine. I talk about it all the time, just being genuine and, um, you know, helping these guys along. You know, my philosophy is always, you know, in the quarterback room, I want to help those guys develop as younger players. Um, I want to help all the different position groups just step on that field and feel confident because we're a unit and you know just teaching those lessons about just hey this is the only play that matters just play called hey we're playing for one another playing for the guy next to you the little things that I've learned from playing with so many talented players and coaches throughout my career um, I try to bring to the practice field every single day and try to help my my teammates and um, you know like I said before I'm, I'm really excited about being here and you know very fortunate to be here. Well, there's a fork in the road, so to speak, at least in in our road. Uh, More wins this season. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, different teams, both talented quarterbacks. I'm going with... The road less traveled. I'm going with Carson Wentz. Mm. Or not. He's going to need that tractor tractor because he's going to be steamrolling over guys this year. See what I did there? Okay. Um, I like Carson Wentz, and I I like these three names. And these three names really pop to me, not because they're receivers, but because they're playmakers, and they're going to be playmakers that Carson Wentz is going to use a lot. It's Nelson Aguilar. Mm -hmm. It's Deshaun Jackson returning to Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and it's Alshon Jeffrey. They might be the most complete trio of wide receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles that have a ton of talent. Carson Wentz is going to be throwing the ball all over the place. And we know when he's settled, when he's healthy and he's playing good football, they can go a long way with this Philadelphia Eagles team. Not, not for nothing, but have you ever been on a tractor? Never. <laughs> I didn't think so. Not one time. I would have bet but every time I have. I've seen them in I my have. social studies books Oh, okay. Well, because that's the same thing. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right, Victor, I, in all due respect. Okay. It's not going to be Carson Wentz. And you see this bus? This is the Jacksonville. This is the Jacksonville. Wow. 
That's the bandwagon. Uh, nobody, nobody that's is the bandwagon. Nobody, no one's allowed to get on it because we're leaving. When we beat Kansas City on opening day, we're going to drive that bus south to Miami. Wow. Josita, you know what's in Miami this year? The Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. So who's going to have more wins? When we include the postseason, it's going to be Nick Foles and a defense that gave up the fourth least amount of points a year ago and a quarterback in Nick Foles who's replacing Blake Bortles. You know what Blake Bortles has done, Wendy? He's turned the ball over. More than anybody, any other quarterback since 2014. I think to Victor's point, Carson Wentz has a better set of skill players to throw to because you still need, he, yes, you know, he's a better upgrade over Blake, but his targets are better. And it, yeah. it also depends on which Nick Foles are we going to get because full time starter Nick Foles, when he starts over 10 games, he only has seven wins or seven touchdowns, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but what as a starter, what, what are we going to see? We're going to see, we gonna, we're gonna see Jalen Ramsey. We we're going to see Calais Campbell. We're going to see a great defense and a, and a team that could run the ball with a great offensive line. So, to me, it checks a lot of boxes when it comes Wait, to Wendy, did you move my tractor? I did. I, I did move your tractor. <laughs> if you had actually ridden one, I would have left it on the <laughs> And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Tuesday, August 13th on ESPN at 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 Pacific, we will kick off our fourth annual Fantasy Football Marathon, 28 straight hours of coverage. All the fantasy insights to get you ready for your season. Coverage, as always, ESPN2 streaming live on the ESPN app. All right, where in the world is Dan Graziano today? He began in New Jersey with the Giants, then took a tour of the NFC North. He went to the Vikings, the Packers, and the Bears. And then after spending the weekend in Indy, where I'm sure he just put his feet up, Dan was with the Bengals yesterday and today stayed in Ohio to cover the Browns. Dan, 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 how you doing? Lord. Holding up all right? I always wanted my own theme music. Uh, was that, awesome. I think you just I got like it. That. Yeah, all right. I know you got a rental car. You've named it. Things I'm are getting play nice that, yeah. out there. All right, let's talk about the Browns, where you are no, today. We're good. we're good. I get you got You're good. Okay. What do you, what do you see from, from the Browns yeah, good. Uh, right now, Dan? Well, it's, you know, it's like we've been talking about all offseason, Wendy. It's a collection of high-end talent that they're trying to put together as a team. And so I just had a chance to talk to their head coach, Freddie, Kitchen, Freddie Kitchens, excuse me, and asked him about that. And he said, yeah, he said, look, I want to see what happens moving forward. It's gone well so far. So the first week's easy. Second week, you start hitting the hump a little bit. He said, I want to see what happens when they start not feeling good. That's when we'll determine our team. So he's going to look over the next couple of weeks, the preseason games, see how the communication is on defense, see how the offense reacts to a negative play, and where he is in his evaluation of his team and how it's coming together with the regular season now just a couple of weeks away. Well, that's been the big question mark, right? We've talked about that. This is a talented group, but he's a first-year head coach. He's got to make them play as a team. It, listen, hard to believe, but there's no NFL Live tomorrow because we got the Little League World Series, but that won't stop you because you can't be stopped. Aww. You'll go to Pittsburgh. Tell us uh, what you expect when you roll into Steelers camp. 
Well, I, in bucolic uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania, I, I'm expecting to see uh, what obviously what the offense looks like without all those star players from the past. But I'm really interested to see rookie linebacker Devin Bush and how he's coming together because I think he's going to have to take a leadership role on that defense as a rookie. So I'm curious to talk to some of the veterans on the defense, some of the coaches, to see how that's coming. Because if he does come quickly, that could be a big difference maker for that team this season. So one more day, one more stop. Dan, is it true you named your rental car? I heard, I heard that. Is that true? My rental car's name is Nancy. I don't, I mean, she yeah, just looked wow. like a Nancy. I don't know why it's like such a big deal, but I, <laughs> and I quote, if you see the pictures, I think you would agree. Yeah, well, she looked like a Nancy. I mean, what? We're just at, we had 1,200 miles. We're 1,200 miles together. We got a couple hundred more to go, Listen. but uh, she's hanging in there. Okay, all right. I'm more concerned about you. Than the car, so please stay no. strong, and we look we look no forward to the problem. weekend. Okay, good. All right, listen. That was Freddie Kitchens, uh, who who Dan spoke with earlier, but he also had some comments yesterday, some strong comments about his team and sourcing. Days of inside information and the days of of uh, unnamed sources and stuff like that have ended. So you're not going to get any information like that ever, anybody. And if I ever see it, they're fired immediately. That's the way we're running this organization. And I can take it. John Dorsey can take it. We won't crack, I promise you. So any other questions? Well, look, I mean, you know, famous last words, but I, I understand his stance, Mike, sometimes easier said than done. But he, he did make a, a clear statement on what he expects. And no question, it's the right principle in terms of you speak on the record or you don't speak at all. And I do agree also. Yeah. So the principle is sound. I just think from a communication standpoint, there's a right time and there's a right place. And I would talk about that in a staff meeting, an organizational-wide meeting, because really the task at hand isn't internal. It's to go ahead and beat the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals. Like, let's go win the AFC North, something we haven't done as an organization in a long time. And optically, from a leadership standpoint, to me, that looks like you're a little bit distracted and you worry about the wrong things. Like, the task is ha- at hand is to go win football games. So, the principle is sound, the principle is correct, but to me, there was a more effective way to communicate that. And, no, and, I, and I agree with you. The only, we, we never know exactly what the question, you know, sometimes either you're asked a direct question, I'm not sure what the question was, but it did sort of seem like, well, okay, you know, maybe... I love this energy from Freddie. You do? You like it? I love this. There's there's nothing more cowardly than a person in the trenches with you every single day, day in and day out, practicing, meeting rooms, and you go and have an anonymous source say something negative about the team? Like, put your name on it, first of all, if you want to say something. And then secondly, I think Freddie Kitchens is putting his foot down and letting people know how he's going to run this team, how he wants to run this organization, how he wants to run his football team and setting the standard for everybody around. And and I I have nothing wrong with what he said. There has to be a leader. There's no question about that. And I think at this point... On the field, you know, with the players, it's Baker Mayfield, and he's made it clear that he's the head coach of this football team. I mean, I think it's uh, good to say something that makes the team close-knit, and that's mm-hmm. the tone that you want to project. Um, you said that you agree. That that's, I think, also coming from a host chair. <laughs> As they're also someone who's an insider, uh, obviously I don't all the way agree with that. I also don't think it's realistic. Um, I do think from a macro standpoint that the focus should be on, you know, making sure, like you said, Mike, winning taking care of those things because inevitably when a team encounters adversity those are the things that you know just sometimes happen obviously you want to keep that to a minimum or what have you but when the team is successful that takes care of itself mostly anyways you know, Josina, you hit on a really interesting word which is adversity and i think the manifestation of adversity 
for the 2019 Cleveland Browns may not necessarily be in the win-loss record, but to the production of the offense. Like, mm-hmm. what happens when they win a game 10-6? Like, how? Because right. there's so many high-octane personalities on offense. The quarterback, the two receivers, and the expectations are so high. You know, really for them, it's about championships. They've all been paid. They've all been validated. Mm-hmm. Now they got to go win championships. And I think how they handle adversity and how that shows up is going to be really interesting to watch as we get going here as we play regular season games. I would agree with you on one thing. To operate in a complete vacuum is a little unrealistic. There's no like it, like it or not. It's that not I do even believe. just operating in a vacuum. You have to look at the composition of this team. There's so many expectations on there. Look at the, the roster is star studded. You know, people are going in here saying that they could win the AFC North. Some people are saying they may, you know, go to the playoffs for the first time in a while. They, they may go to the Super Bowl. So if that's not working, to think that that's not going to, you know, stay quiet is just like the focus should be on making sure that it works and you're bringing those components together so that you're successful and then those things are mitigated. That adversity, I want to see what that adversity, when that adversity hits, how they respond is going to tell the tale about the Cleveland And I think everyone's watching that. I I agree. And there will be some, there is for every team. I think the Browns are going to be phenomenally fascinating to watch, whatever happens. The draft and the scouting as a science in general has really changed, as have a lot of things over the last 40 years or so, but what, how, what's the biggest change? Yeah, well, if we go back to the mid-70s, guys like Buckle Kilroy perfected the system of what is known as typing a player, being do they have the requisite height, weight, and speed for the position, and Coach Parcells learned that, and he also learned from the late, great George Young, the longtime general manager of the New York Giants, and Coach Parcells, who was also the head coach and general manager, brought that sort of player procurement system to the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, Dallas Cowboys, and it has its tentacles now at a number of teams, and Coach Belichick uses a version of that now with the New England Patriots, and over time that's evolved with the help of things like analytics, but really what it comes back to is, from an objective standpoint, Wendy, does the player have the correct measurables to match what a winning player at that position looks like in the league from a a height, a weight, and a speed standpoint, and then from there... You have, obviously, a much more detailed discussion in terms of the tape and evaluations and intangibles, but the whole idea of prototyping what the player should look like goes back 30, 40 years. Well, it's interesting because you, above all, as much as anyone, know it's not an exact science, but we've made great strides in the way we use analytics and sort of combine that with the old-school eye test and what athletes can do. You know, Wendy, and Coach Belichick always had a, a, an interesting expression in the draft room. He talked about the two things that a pro football player has – that a college football player doesn't have, which is more time and more money. So how are they going to react to that? And it goes back to that saying, which is the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling, meaning when you get coached as much as you do and in pro football, when you have the resources invested in you as much as we have at the pro level, how are they going to react to that? And that's why you want people that love football and want to get better. I'm going to guess that was not Bill Parcells only interesting expression in a draft room. No, it's really... No, I, 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 that's just the one you can share with us, which yes, is fair enough on our family television program. Patriots and Lions holding joint practices ahead of their Thursday night preseason tilt and leave it to our Mike Reese to get two opposing running backs, SEC rivals no less, Karen Johnson and Sony Michelle, together for one interview. One of the great parts about a joint practice with the Patriots and Lions is you can get guys together from both teams. We got up-and-coming running backs Carrion Johnson of the Lions, Sony Michelle of the Patriots. Carrion, let's start with you. What do you what do you think of this guy right over here? I look better than him, but he's you know, he's a good back, man. He I told him yesterday, man, I was very proud of what he did last year, very happy to see him succeed, especially during that playoff run. 
I mean, it doesn't get better than rookie year and you get a ring. So, man, I'm excited for him and look forward to playing him. Sony, how about for you when you look at carry on? Similar situation, man. You know, a guy that worked so hard, I've seen him in college and now transferring to his rookie season, had a, a good rookie season, you know, running the ball well, just doing great things. And, you know, it's always good to see guys that you play with in college succeed in the NFL. I was going to say, how do we get an Auburn guy and a Georgia guy together? You guys are too friendly. I love yeah. it. Uh, as we look at this year for you guys with the Lions, uh, you know, what do you see from this change in offense under first-year coordinator Daryl Bevel as it relates to you and the running game? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's always said he wants to run the ball, he wants to be physical. So obviously as a running back, that makes me excited. But uh, we got to execute, man. You can't run the ball 100% of the time. You can't throw it 100% of the time. We got to go out and do our jobs, and uh, that's what he preaches. Go out, do your job, play as hard as you can, and have a lot of fun. So that's what we try to do. And Sony, for the Patriots, a lot of transition without Rob Gronkowski. How key do you think the running game will be to just sort of helping ease that transition? It's going to take everybody to kind of play their parts in the offense, um, from the offensive line receivers to running backs, everybody doing their job, executing, so we could hopefully make some positive plays and have some success this season. We got a lot of touchdowns, a lot of rushing yards between you. We got a lot of fantasy football owners out there. All right, what's the message carrying on to those fa- fantasy football owners? I'm not a big fantasy guy, but you know, I'm, I'm glad that that's something that the fans can get into. So they choose me, they choose me, they choose him, they choose him. I don't think you can go wrong either way. So uh, we both go out and we play as hard as we can. So hopefully that translates for them. Good day of work here, Sony. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just say to the fans, good, go with your hearts. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. We got Sony. We got carry on two up-and-coming running backs. You know, f- fun fact of the day, 31st overall pick in the draft last year, 43rd overall pick, 12 picks separate them. They're on the way up. Back to you in the studio. As are you, Mike Reese. Thank you. Uh, switching gears to the Browns, Kareem Hunt made his training camp debut over the weekend. He had been nursing a groin injury. Hunt remains suspended for the first eight games of the season. He addressed the media on Monday. Uh, I'm definitely anxious. I definitely want to get back out there and, you know, see what I got still. <laughs> uh, it was a misunderstanding, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that the Browns still had my back, and it was just something that was, you know, a misunderstanding. And I am know I can't have that, so I look to move forward and continue bettering myself and, you know, working and getting ready for the season. I'm definitely always going to have work to do. Since I stepped in the building, I had work to do, so... I'm just going to keep, you know, staying in my lane and doing whatever it takes to, you know, you know, take my game to the next level and, you know, stay out of trouble. ESPN Fantasy Football is back. The season right around the corner. Start your league now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. Press coverage and a few notes from our ESPN Nation reporters around the league. First from the Redskins, according to our John Kime, at least three quarterbacks will play on Thursday. Coach Jay Gruden knows the rotation, not ready, however, to release it just yet. And from our Giants Nation reporter, Jordan Renan, the Giants want to see Daniel Jones play a lot in the preseason. Six overall pick, of course. Jones will play Thursday against the Jets, but Pat Shermer would not say how much. And finally, from our Jeff Legwald, who reports from Broncos camp, new head coach Vic Fangio said Joe Flacco will start, followed by Kevin Hogan and Drew Locke. Fangio said Flacco and Hogan will play a little, and Locke will play a lot. Baker Mayfield, his chugging abilities got national attention. It also got the attention of his head coach. Here's what Freddie Kitchens had to say about the effort. Um, how am I supposed to answer this one? Um, 
Yes, I did. Can you and, shotgun uh, a beer like It was impressive. <laughs> it was very impressive. So, can I? No. I don't drink beer anymore. Chuck was here. That's a lie. I told you I never would lie to you. That's a lie. Have you ever been in a beer can open? I have not. I'd be worried about my teeth. I have to say, I did think it was an impressive effort, but the teeth got my attention. And it was, I, I, wait, can we just, we don't have time to The fact that he did it so effortlessly. Yeah, no, he's done that before. He's I was going to say, With the toss, too. Shout out to whoever threw that thing Change to him. the beer to carrot juice. Uh, that was not his first rodeo. Uh, again, we've talked about the Browns, but I think it's worth repeating just because the expectations are so high. If I take playing as a team off the table, because I know that's what everybody will say, biggest challenge they'll face early. Uh, biggest challenge they'll face early is is their roles. Trying to figure out their roles and figuring out what they need to do and how to live in their roles and be comfortable in their roles moving forward. I, 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 think, I think you just nailed it, Victor. Yeah. Like, that's what's so great about our sport. On paper, they're so improved. But Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh are great coaches that have done it for so long. Freddie Kitchens is a rookie head coach who was a position coach a year ago. What about his learning curve? I think he's going to be a good one, but he's going to grow up in front of everybody's eyes, and he has to do it quickly because their expectations are so high. And because he is a rookie head coach, he has situational coaching in the final two minutes, the final two minutes of halftime and in the game. Got to show you can do it in critical situations. We call it baptism by fire, my friend, and the jump is next. We'll be back tomorrow. (laughs)